Welcome back to the Lauren Valor Podcast. I am joined once again by my friend Mona Lisa Foster, author of Romance Science Fiction, Space Opera, Military Science Fiction, and Hard <laughs> Science Fiction, and possessor of the physics deg degree to back it up, who, as I love to point out, writes about human drives, not hyperdrives, in her own words. Thanks for joining me again today, Mona Lisa. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. So we're um, we doing episode three. Yes, we're doing episode three. And uh, this of this, Shadow this, and this, Bone. Sorry, <laughs> to be clear, of Shadow and Bone. Mona Lisa and I have missed a couple weeks due to illness and scheduling conflicts and all kinds of stuff. So we're we're getting back into our groove here. Right. And um, so this this is where we um, are going to start the enemies to lovers um, storyline, which um, was one of my favorite parts of it. And. Um, I, I don't know, I, I think it picks up at this point uh, with a lot of the world building um, and, and kind of the action and the, the plot just kind of starts to roll more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd say Kiergan starts to become a character and not just a presence. Um, mm -hmm. I feel like in the first two episodes, he's just a presence that's kind of there, but he doesn't really have characterization yet. And here you start to get some characterization from him. Yeah, and then we get more fleshing out of how the magic works and mm -hmm. with the different kinds of, um, uh, uh, and now, and now I'm like the benders, the, diff <laughs> the different the kinds of magic users. <laughs> I don't know why yeah. that, that just sticks in my head more than uh, the, their own personal term or their own uh, specific terms for this. Because we get introduced to the, the tailor, Genya. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um which is that the right. was that the 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 one in the white dress who's also the healer healing grisha is that um, the same or you're just talking about her tailor who's actually the 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 young woman who does the beauty stuff oh okay gotcha so she's a type of magic user but um i think the reason she doesn't have a colored code is to keep her separate from everybody else because that you know how they have them color-coded that's to mm -hmm. uh, uh, isolate them in groups and she's been denied that um mm. because she's so rare yeah and i think that's some foreshadowing for what they're going to do with alina gotcha yeah and and then she does like it, it, as, as long as i understood the scene she like heals a wound on uh a scar one of alina's scars right I Is think she correct? wanted to, and Elena wouldn't let her. Um, yeah, but she has the capability, because that's, you know, magic system guy, that's kind of one of the things I took from is, oh, they do have healers. They have made her sufficiently rare to where you don't get to ask, why isn't there just a healer there? Um, because that's always the problem with having healing magic in anything is like, it's kind of like having time travel, that it's it's an easy button for too many solutions if you know it's there. Or like having Superman, there's nothing that they cannot do. You, yeah. you run into that problem. So yeah, I guess the tailors are very um, are very rare, and mm -hmm. they only do cosmetic stuff. And I think they're the only ones that I saw that I've seen so far anyway that actually um, require another thing. So like she used the the black beads to make her hair darker, and she uses uh, some sort of flower or some coloration to 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 do the color on the eyes. Um, mm -hmm. and I think this is the first time we've actually seen that as part of this magic system. 
Uh, I think that's correct. Yeah, I, I don't recall anything of that sort. Of course, we've been either in the field or in the gritty criminal underworld with Kaz so far. So yeah, this is the first occasion I think we we would have had to seen it. So yeah, no, I I think that's it's interesting. She seems to have a a good and um a good mix of benign and menacing character. You know, because like she obviously she comes in, she helps uh Elena is not is not cruel to her, but when she's she notes, "Oh, you're sentimental. We'll cure that cure you of that too." You know, mm-hmm. that that little beat right there is like, "Oh, so we probably shouldn't just trust this character." Um, even though she doesn't seem to be completely awful. <laughs> yeah, there's um, there's some very heavy foreshadowing with her character in this. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was done well. Um, mm-hmm. I like um, this. It's so funny because completely unexpected um, threads connecting things. Uh, so the, the, the creature, the white stag with the incredibly ornate uh, rack of antlers, uh, the white stag meme is present in this, obviously through that creature. And I know it's actually a specific magical creature, but it's still uh, by the meme. I mean, the idea of the white stag and what it represents of calling a hero to adventure. Um, Cause that's clearly, you know, this is a, you don't have to be a student of the craft to realize the mythical white stag appearing to Elena is letting her know she's you're yep. You're now touched by destiny kid, you know, follow me. Um, it's actually, that is at play also over in the terminal list, uh, the terminal list that I'm doing with Mike Massa and Sam Platisky. That is the white stag. Uh, the Arthurian image of the white stag is in the, the credits of that as well. So it's funny to see that, that kind of idea proliferate across so many different stories and so many different mediums and genres that I thought it was interesting that I had, I had made a note of it in the terminal list. And then I watched this episode and I was like, Oh, there it is again. Yeah, so so I guess it's it's become kind of an archetype. Um, now, is it the white stag? Is it the white of it, or is it the stag, or is it both? It's it's the mm-hmm. the specific combination of the white stag that the hunter chases not to kill and eat, but to lead on to greater adventure and greater joys. Um, and it goes all the way back. It's theoretically, it's uh, you know, from my brief internet research, I'm not actually a a genuine classicist. I don't want to give myself airs here. Um, but it, it goes back to maybe even pre-Arthurian myth, but it's at least in the King Arthur legend. Uh, several mm-hmm. of the knights encounter the White Stag in their personal journeys. I first encountered it in the Dragonlance novels, which were uh, super popular in the late 80s. Uh, I know you were more of a science fiction person in general, but I don't know if you ever picked those up. But the, the, the paladin character uh, in the first book encounters a White Stag that leads them into deeper into the adventure so to speak so um that is something i I was very interested to see Uh, i don't know if that creature is in the book as well i would assume so it's kind of a big insert so um that this author uses it jack carr who's a former navy seal with a book deal uses it uh and you know all the way back to chaucer and uh the people who are writing about king arthur all embrace this myth um this mythos of the white stag is is interesting to me to see that um across so many very, very disparate properties um, and justifies my decision to cover so many disparate properties with my YouTube channel. <laughs> the, the stag is the, the bone from the title. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah, so, so Kerrigan is the shadow mm-hmm. 
and the stag is the bone. Gotcha. And gotcha. Um, yeah, so and and I guess I've seen I've seen different versions of it. I was thinking about lion, like white lion. Um, mm -hmm. uh, that's why I was asking if it was specifically the stag. But yeah, this the stag was in the Arthurian stuff. It was with the Grail usually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Pictured with the Grail. Yep. Yep. Usually related to the Grail. Correct. Um, and yeah, and it's an interesting way she's using it. Kiergan is really, we, we, we went on and on about the cat, how good the casting was last episode, but he is very, very effectively creepy and charismatic at the same time. You know, he does, he does a really good job walking that line. Um, uh, I find it, this is not a complaint, but it is just an observation that I find humorous that of course she loves to read, um, because <laughs> like how many authors is like oh well what virtue are any of them oh they love to read of course our protagonists all love books and understand that the power of them um and i i did like the quote though because i i think we all feel this way that those of us who who read regularly uh the world is just a bit of pencil and paper none of it real none of it bad is you know good bit of use of her um her cartography as a a poetic expression of her love of escapism um and that uh you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing you know uh while i do think fiction matters and does inform you know the conversation it's okay to just go to a different world and enjoy yourself for a few hours too oh, absolutely. Um, so i thought that was good <laughs> absolutely I, I i i think that's where it goes back to its ya roots right because mm -hmm. um they're they're you know that's that's one of the virtues you're supposed to have you're supposed to love you know mm -hmm. especially escapist kind of reading so yeah I'm, i was not surprised to see that in there yeah well and especially while if we were to go back to so orson scott card has what's called the mice quotient i know you're blatantly familiar with it but milieu idea character event um or, and you basically like you have like your sliders for what's most important in the story I would say so far milieu and character are kind of fighting it out in shadow and bone, right. Which is not uncommon for fantasy, right. You know, that like, you know, good characters can exist in any genre, you know, you choose a fantastical setting because hopefully you're going to still do that good character work and have those characters in a place that seems fascinating, sometimes horrifying, sometimes uh, uh, wonderful to a reader who is in our normal i don't want to say mundane world because the real world is actually much stranger than we give it credit for but but yeah the 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 setting of this is super interesting and they're doing a good job um setting up the systems i will say this is the first time i realized because i think you even said something to this effect so i'm sorry i didn't really register but that the divide between east and west ravka is not just there's the fold down the middle keeping people from traveling that there's also a political strife here between between the two sides i didn't realize that part of this is not only the war it's also this is a rebellious province as well that is perhaps going to break away that we need to seal off the fold not just to win the war but to make sure we don't end up divided into two kingdoms yeah and and um it's um it, it's going to be a, i think a, a big part of the story um going forward um the i think that's why they started bringing in uh, the king and the king's the apparat, the apparat, the king's spiritual advisor. All of those mm -hmm. things are going to kind of start coming into play. Um, mm -hmm. And you're right about fantasy being mostly milieu and character. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. uh, that's one of the big differences um, in between fantasy and science fiction is you've got um, uh, uh, Milou taking Milou and, and character um, outranking things in fantasy, but not necessarily in science fiction. Well, and it's we we I would say I think you'd agree with this that especially the golden age of sci-fi, depending on which author you're talking about, idea um, for people like Asimov and Clark. Um, and to some degree, Heinlein, you know, that they, that the idea of the story was, was really much more powerful than it is today. You know, the 9 billion names of God, you know, that is an idea story. I can't tell you a thing about the characters in it because nothing about them stood out to me, but I can remember the idea of it. Um, lifeline. I mean, I do remember Dr. Pinero. He had, you know, a, he had a personality, but the real point was the question of what if the insurance, what if you really could calculate someone's uh, dimension along the time axis accurately? Um, and what does that do to the insurance companies, you know, um, amongst other things? So, yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I think maybe we're seeing that start to, you know, there are definitely people who still, this is a whole debate and we're, we're kind of, we're very much off on a tangent from Shadow and Bone, but I don't care. Uh, this is stuff we both care about. Um, there are still people who write idea stories, but I think you are seeing more emphasis in general on trying to do character-driven stuff, whether it's whether you're on spaceship or Dragonback uh, in general. Because, but, and it depends on what medium too, and who you're talking about. Because I see so many large-budget studios just utterly failing. Uh, basically on every axis, but especially on the character axis that they will have, they'll have a plot outline and it doesn't matter whether the actions taken by the characters are actually in keeping with what we know about them or not. I'm looking at you, Kenobi, um, <laughs> you know, like, the, the, like they'll completely assassinate a character. Well, cause this is the story I wanted to tell. Um, right. but yeah, so, so far I will say that is one thing shadow and bone does not fall into. Everyone is acting uh, logically based on what their motivations are. Now they got some other things that I question that we'll get to uh, eventually, but so far everyone's acting in a way that makes sense. Uh, I also appreciated um, again that like the uh, just the, the tinge of Stalinesque propaganda in West Ravka is mm -hmm. east, east is where we are. West is on the other side of the fold, right? I, I, I'm going to say yes. I think okay. you're right. We're, I'm going to guess that it's that, but that you, you see that like, they're definitely like, they're not just, it's not flagrantly Russia, but like they definitely are taking some good inspiration and mm -hmm. then it's like, Oh yeah, they're revolutionaries against this corrupt old monarchy, but maybe you should be careful about trusting them too. When I saw those posters on the walls, mm -hmm. Stalin is exactly where I, where I went. That was the first place, <laughs> the first place that I went. And um, the way that they even portrayed the king and the queen in this as very shallow people who are all about um, uh, mm -hmm. appearances and optics and politics. You, mm -hmm. It's like, oh, you guys are setting them up for a fall. Yeah. Because yeah. nobody likes that. Yeah. And for, for, for one reason or another, the, you and I just spent a long time knee deep in the final days of the Romanovs. <laughs> um, and it is it is pretty recognizable i did like the <clears throat> the tailor understanding the system well enough to be like no we're not putting you in a gown we're putting you in a uniform because that's what 
they'll expect you to look like, you know, like that it is. Yeah. And and that veil that they put on her, I was like, oh God. No. <laughs> but I, I totally, I, I once she explained it, that this was the King's vision of the army, it made perfect sense. And I really appreciate the fact that they bothered to world build uh, that and didn't just, um, just not explain it. Um, because yeah. obviously we didn't see anybody else with a veil. Um, mm -hmm. And, and even uh, once they started um, in, in the next section where she she was expected to do a demonstration for the, for the court, I, I was initially very surprised at, at how much of um, not a Mary Sue they made Alina because she can't summon light on her own. Yeah. And then when they went to the training, they, she got her ass kicked. Mm hmm. Yeah, no, I, I really appreciated that sequence. And that like, you know, a few minutes learning how to throw a punch without breaking your wrists is not the same as being ready to fight. Um, yeah. And that, you know, the, the Grisha who tried to bang Mal is still a racist twant. Um, you know, like, and that I, and furthermore, I love the, the logic of, oh, well, we want to train her for self-defense because of course you would, but that, um, bitchy mcbitch face i can't remember her name zoya is, zoya there you go is she gets her ass chewed that it's like no, no no this this is the most valuable asset in the empire you don't get to just knock her around sorry like you know like you are gonna get your ass chewed for that one um and i'm sure like well i'm not sure like i would wager we're eventually going to find out what zoya's problem is and why she has so much angst uh, I would guess that they're going to humanize her more, maybe not redeem her, but humanize her more. Um, but I did appreciate the, like, unlike the, the, the mess tent scene from episode one, where you're not feeding one of the soldiers that's supposed to be doing a job for you. This one's like, no, 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 you don't get to just be a douchebag in a way that endangers the mission without your chain of command ripping you up for it. The, the, the thing of the thing that they're showing with Zoya is, I don't know. Complexity is not the right word. Mm -hmm. Female friendships are weird. Okay. <laughs> the, the, the part Mona where she Lisa said it, not me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mona Lisa gets to say this because she has ovaries. Um, <laughs> the, oh, I, you know, she puts her arms around her after she says something out loud that's very complimentary and then whispers in her ear the exact opposite. And what did Alina do to her? nothing nothing mm. all you have to do is exist and and for whatever reason be perceived as a rival as a romantic rival or which in, in this case i think zoya has a thing for um kirigan so okay. it's not just that she had a thing for mal she had a thing mm. for kirigan so okay. it's like yeah and they all pretend to each other's face to be nice and supportive and kind and then they go around stabbing each other in the back so I can really appreciate the reality of the relationship <laughs> in the series just for that. Fair enough. Fair enough. No, and I did pick up on the tension that uh, Zoya, I'm going to try to remember her name now. Zoya did have the hots for the Kirigan, which is, I mean, to be expected. Um, you know, not only is he gorgeous, he has all the status in the world. Um, yeah. So that, that was good. Um, on the B plot for a little bit. Cause I think that like, if we were to keep going through, um elena as we kind of get close towards the end and i want to save that for a little bit later with a, a female yoda and um 
but with uh, Kaz and his crew are now in West Ravka. Uh, and that's when we start to discover about the dissident political movement and Grishas who do not serve in the army, but are illegal. Um, I found all this very interesting. Um, I did like the introduction of Nina um, <laughs> as a, as a rogue Grisha. I was like, Oh, three episodes in and we've got a new character. Okay. Who is this? How much do I care? Um, not that it was bad. I, and then you have this new element of the, the Druskella, the like, now this is something I was confused on or the Druskella, a segment of a society or are they an entire society that hates magic users? I wasn't okay, so quite my, sure underst- on that. my understanding was that they are the witch hunters. So the, yeah. Gre- the Grisha are witches and yep. this is a special unit of witch hunters. And who do so they, they work have for? The Fjordans. They are oh, Fjordans. The Fjordans. Okay, gotcha. But I think their entire society has a thing against the Grisha, mm-hmm. against magic users in general, not just the Druskella. The, Dr- the Druskella are just specially trained to capture them. Okay, and they have their special unobtainium that cancels out magic. If a witch is bound with it, I guess. Uh, so I guess if you if you tie their hands so they can't get their fingers together, that neutralizes their power. Um, oh, okay. I, I, I think the way that he so so they they take that bola thing and they they launch it at Nina, and mm-hmm. it catches one of her arms. So now she can't do her magic finger mm-hmm. motion thing. So I yeah. guess that's how you neutralize them. Oh, my, I guess my brain went to it was made of some special material or something uh, that it was forged from cold iron or something uh, like in the old myths that, where you used to counter Fey. But but yeah, I, maybe you're right. And it is just a matter of restraining digits. Um, you've read the book, so you probably know better than I do. I don't recall there being a, a factor with the metal. But, okay. um, you know, that was more than 24 hours ago. So. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I get it. Um, yeah, it's, uh, a lot of stuff going on in for all of us. Um, but for this plot line, you get, uh, so the introduction of the Druskella who are witch hunters. So now there's something to threaten any magic using character with, uh, and we have Nina working on what appears to be the youngest Druskella who, despite his protestations clearly has an issue with what they're doing, um, and hesitation over binding women into cages as hopefully most humans would. Um, and uh, so that'll be, I'm interested to see where that goes. I'm, I'm not opposed to that plot line, although it is, you know, another thing to track. Um, the introduction of Alabaster coal as an idea and taking a train through the fold. <laughs> this is the, this is the, the, the subplot. Like I like Kaz as a character. Um, I like, um, Inej, Inej, thank you. Inej as a character. Jasper is all right. Um, but the whole idea that, like, oh, it's impossible to get across the fold, it's impossible to get across the fold. But this one dude in this train, uh, yeah, you can take this train. And it's like, yeah, yeah. like, yeah, it's a little difficult for me to buy. Yeah. And that, and that, um, so they're going across the fold and it's all scary. And you know that the fold monsters are nigh unstoppable and they, they jacked up a Ravkin uh, skiff that was trying to get to the fold in the first episode. And 
you know, oh, they're it's hopeless. They're going to lose. It's hopeless. They're going to lose. And then Jasper shoots one and it dies. Yeah, it was in the script. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's the and, reverse and of plot armor. Yeah, it's plot armor, and I and I hate that too. And I I I I mean, I'm not going to excuse it. I think that yeah. a lot of the stuff where they bring other things in. So they okay, what they're trying to go for is uber tension at the beginning to mm. to reel you in, and then they soften things up. Yeah. Um, and you see it done in a lot. In, yeah. in a lot of in a lot of stories, it's almost like it's sure. it's almost expected, but yeah, you're right. Um, I, I I don't understand the logic why a single gunshot wound or a yeah, single gunshot wound would kill the creature. Maybe if it got I don't know, did he shoot it in the mouth and it went into its brain or I, I don't know. Well, and but the thing is, like, it's like oh well, like trying to you know, do the mental exercise of like what they would say to us if they're in the room with us. Like, no, 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 you don't understand. Jasper is like a magically good shot, you know? And it's like, well, but if I take a hundred riflemen, you know, like. Into the fold or a cannon. Yeah. Or, yeah, like, or, or what do you call those things where you put the big, uh, the big spears, like, it's like really a big. harpoon gun. Yeah. A harpoon gun. Or a okay. ballista. Yeah. Or, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know. It, it was yeah. one of those things where okay, they've got me so invested in the characters that I'll that forgive them for it. Yeah, I'll kind of forgive them for it. I, mm -hmm. the thing about the conductor, um, which I found interesting. Okay, I, I can believe there would have been a train track already there, and that maybe this guy is just really smart and he figured yeah, out from a way the old days it. before the fold, he found a, an old train track. Okay, yeah. Um, then you've got that thing where at the end, the, the track thing comes up in front so they can finish going all the way through. Yeah. Oh, okay. The thing I liked about that whole sequence, I'll be honest with you, was the goat. <laughs> he had the, the need for an emotional support goat. <laughs> so I got all the, you know, all the ooey gooey feelings of, ah, because I really was worried they were going to kill the goat and um, yeah. they did so as long as the goat got to live, <laughs> I was happy with that sequence. Priorities. Priorities. Exactly. It was a cute exactly. goat. It was but a you're very right. cute little goat. If if you think about it logically, a lot of this stuff doesn't make sense. Like I even know, this but... going across the sand without catching on fire. Yeah. 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 Well, and I'm willing some of that stuff, I, I'm just like, like you you've communicated to me with your genre conventions. So cool. You know, but they did such a decent job, good job, uh, with the ambush and guns v magic. Um, like that they've done such a good job with some stuff that when this happened, it was like, oh, oh, but ah, uh, like yeah. you did think about it earlier and you didn't think about it now, and it doesn't ruin the story. Like I, I know I'm harping on it, but it's not like it really ruins the story. But it is, it is disappointing after they showed the the effort. Uh, in the first couple episodes to be like, you know what? Jasper just shoots it because we painted them into a corner. We can't get them out of otherwise. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was, I mean, if that's the biggest complaint, that's fairly minor still, but yeah. Well, I, I started um, reading the other books that were part of this, trying to mm -hmm. see if this is the second storyline. Um, mm -hmm. And I didn't get very far into it. I, I didn't find the the voice 
in the multiple third person viewpoint um, to be um, to be as compelling as the first person narration by Alina. So I didn't okay. get very far into it, but it 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 didn't have any of this stuff with finding the guy that came across the fold that was in the pilot. So I'm mm -hmm. I'm I'm beginning to think that I'm totally wrong on this that it's not that second line of trilogies, and it may have just been something that Netflix put in there, which would actually yeah. make sense with what you were saying before, in that the world building was pretty pretty good initially, and now they seem to be backtracking off of it, and that could be why. Yeah. So somebody who actually follows this a little bit more or closely might you know might let us know in the comments or something, but yeah, absolutely, um, it does have that feel of not necessarily retconning, but trying to fix a plot line that wouldn't otherwise work. Yeah. Um, minor note, but I did like this time Kaz's, uh, you know, powers of observation made more sense because he just noticed a difference in a currency type, um, which I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's that's reasonable. He's not, you know, he doesn't happen to find the exact person he needs randomly <laughs> at mm -hmm. one of his gaming tables. So uh, that made a little more sense. Um, let me see what else. Uh, talked about the separatist movement. Um, yeah, no. I, overall, it's a solid episode. Um, I think I, I think I like the second episode a little bit better. So we close in and we meet uh, the uh, grumpy female Yoda character, who's going to be uh, Elena's master. And you know, early on in the season, pretty predictably, she just kicks her out of the training era uh the training area and says go do go do a self-discovery before you come back you know it's like you're not ready yet go away get ready then come back uh although like as as much as that was kind of tropey for me i do like her point about yeah you know, well while i certainly encourage people to learn martial arts and self-defense and be in good shape you know, Elena is unlikely to be punching her way out of problems. So it maybe is not the, the wisest expenditure of her time to have her doing karate. And so she was supposed to be in the army as, okay, now she was a cartographer, but apparently mm -hmm. she did just go to work in knife school because she arrives yeah. at this, this Grisha dojo place, really mm -hmm. not knowing how to do anything. And yeah. I really like Bagra. She's <laughs> you know, the character. You just, just takes a stick to her, right? <laughs> just starts hitting her. <laughs> it's reminiscent of the, the schools in Romania. So, oh. yeah. It's like, you got the wrong answer, you got hit. Um, I mean, that's a method. What? I said that's a method. <laughs> well, in some places, it's the only method. <laughs> fortunately. Um, but she, um, the actress that plays her, that's Madame Hooch from Yeah, yeah, Harry yeah, from Potter. the Potter. Yeah, yeah, the the um the Quidditch teacher, yeah. The Quidditch, yeah, yeah. or the, the the flying, the yeah, yep. the broom, the broom. Yeah, the brooms, the broom structure. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I can't can't believe I missed that. I'm a moderately large Harry Potter fan sort of. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I I like I think the the another tangent, but I think Harry Potter is a victim of overhype. I think they're perfectly fine books. Um, they're good. They're enjoyable. They're reasonably well-constructed. There are certainly things I can nitpick. Um, like you don't hear the word for Voldemort's followers until the third book. Um, and it's like assuming that someone had been talking about Hitler for three years without saying the word Nazi. 
the whole time and having to explain it. So like, there's stuff like that that I'm definitely like, oh, you know, <laughs> um, but but other, overall, I like them quite a lot. I do think that they're a start point for reading and that people should definitely read more um, mm-hmm. and that there are, in fact, better books. Um, but I don't I don't get on board with the J.K. Rowling hate. Uh, either for the books or for her, you know, her voicing her own opinions on, online. Um, I, I don't, I don't climb on board for any of that. So yeah, I'm, I'm a, like I said, a moderate Harry Potter fan. And, and I think I'm, I'm probably right there with you. I mean, um, my kids enjoyed them somewhat, but mm-hmm. not to the extent that some of their, um, some of their peers and, mm-hmm. and there was a lot of peer pressure thing to like certain things, which I never appreciate. Um, yeah. I'm not getting the sense with <laughs> you, this. You don't say. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, okay, you have to deal with your kids coming home and they're trying to fit into a new school, and yeah. you know, it's it, yeah. I, I I don't like that kind of I don't I don't like that kind of thing. Um, what Agreed. what I thought, but I agree with you. Sometimes they bring things in because they didn't think about them at the beginning, and. Mm-hmm. I think that once you get a large enough fan base for this kind of thing, your fans or other people are going to come up with an appendix to explain all the things that didn't make sense. Um, (laughs) You weren't even thinking of in your first book or your second book or wherever um, in order to explain why it wasn't mentioned. So I think that's a perk of just doing really well is is somebody will come up with a a patch. Yeah. Like like in programming, Uh, they'll come up with a patch for your world. Yeah, in the study of history, we we say victory covers a multitude of sins. You know, yeah. There, there's there's nothing that nothing that keeps you going like winning, right? And um, and then there's another one, something about um, success has many fathers, failures, and orphan, or something like yep, that. Yep, yeah, very true. Yeah, very and true. that that comes into play too. But like you said, it's it's not enough to make me go ah. Uh, I'm done with this because it has all this other stuff that I enjoy about it. The more than makes up for it. Um, yeah. They keep talking about Kerrigan as being an amplifier. And um, I think that that's, a, I think that's just really good world building because of um, where I think, th- where I think they're going to be taking it. Um, and um, Bagra was just, it's just, I, she's a delightful character for me. I, I really, <laughs> I your mean, spirit animal. Yeah. <laughs> what? I said your spirit animal along with the lady who runs the orphanage. Yeah. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Very much so. I, I figured I, you I, figured that out. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've been friends for a minute. Um, but uh the the thing I like about the concept of a mad of an amplifier is I think it is very interesting um and a good archetype that there are characters who may be very personally powerful. We know that Kierigan is dangerous in his own right from when we saw when he rescued Elena, but that I enjoy characters who their, their biggest power is their effect on other people. Um, whether it's amplifying, manipulating, you know, leading um, for both for either good or ill. Like, so I'll, I'll go ahead and use a Marvel example from back when it was, I thought it was actually still mostly good. Um, is that Steve Rogers, Captain America, his power was not that he was super strong or super fast. It's that he inspired people that everyone he came into contact with for any length of time did not want to let him down. Um, And that was his actual superpower. And I kind of like, 
a dark mirror of that in Kirgan that it's like, no, 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 like he just makes people more powerful. And his moral compass, you're not entirely sure where it's pointed at all. Um, and I enjoy that character too. Like, you know, I enjoy paladins and I enjoy fallen paladins. Um, I as long as there's reasoning behind what they're doing that I could kind of cotton on to. I saw Kerrigan as a fallen paladin. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing that I honed on um or hone in on on this was I, I was I was hope where I was hoping they were gonna they're, they're gonna take it is that you have this team of Alina and Kerrigan because he's her amplifier. So so far especially she's really only been able to in, use her power around him, right? Right. Only if he's touching her. Mm-hmm. And since they also introduced the 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 other uh, storyline, which is an enemies to lovers trope. That my brain went, okay, so we have two enemies to lovers or <laughs> adversaries to lovers or whatever lines being set up because mm-hmm. that that that's kind of just where my thinking where my thinking goes and um, and that it was important and they're gonna end up working together and they're gonna end up being unstoppable because they're working together. That's where I thought it was going mm-hmm. and um well. I'm not going to spoil it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm still going episode by episode, so we'll we'll see. We'll see. Okay. Then um, I won't spoil it. Okay, cool, cool. Um, anything else? Uh, I I I've gone through most of my notes. Is there anything else you'd like to add on this one? Um, I I think I think you I think we've covered most of it. Um, I don't have anything like that that really stands out um, that we haven't yeah. really talked about. Um. I like I liked the idea of there being these Grisha rebels that um, didn't want to be part of the small not the small army the second army, yeah, um, yeah. and they kind of they kind of teased that um, with those people that were trying to get away from um, East Ravka, mm-hmm. but um, now it's now now they're kind of ramping it up, and well, we have I thought a, was- a named point of view character right in Nina who is one of them in- right right. And um, I, that that was another thing that I really, even though they teased it, I hadn't quite expected. I, I for whatever reason, I thought, oh, if you're a Grisha, you are on board because this is what gets you um, social status, and now you're accepted and you're feared. And sometimes being feared is more important than being accepted. And I mean, then, then we don't like to think down. of it that way, but it's it's a brutal world in most places of the world, right? And it, it sounds like just from the flashbacks that they were persecuted for their powers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I could I could totally see that. So I was glad to see kind of this storyline uh, get going, just because it it explains it, it and it provides a lot of additional conflict for the story. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm eager to see where that plays out too, um, and I'm eager to see like. Don't tell me, but I'm guessing at some point we're going to get a collision of the A plot, B plot, and now C plot at some point. They're they're going to. I mean, we know the B plot. Like We didn't mention it this, this turn, but we know Kaz is trying to go kidnap Elena and bring her back. Like, that's his mission, right? Like, that's, that's what he's been paid to do, which is right. a little insane. Um, well, I mean, more a than million a Kruger. Insane. Yeah. A million Kruger is the reward for it, which I'm going to assume... It's a lot of money. Yeah. Well, I mean, we would assume like, so they're in just for shits and giggles. They're in a society where the height of technology are trains and um, 
revolvers and things of that nature. You know, they don't have, they don't seem to have automobiles and they don't have heavier than air flight. Um, so assume that, you know, a, a hundred thousand, like you, let's assume at least a factor of 10, right. You know, the, the, the inflation would have been, you know, you know, a factor of 10. So that's probably at least 10 million equivalent of us mm -hmm. dollars and probably maybe more like a hundred, um, so yeah, I assume it's a set for life amount of money. Well, the conductor tells us it is because even his share of it, he said mm -hmm. he can retire that, you know, he's, he doesn't have to mm -hmm. do any, anything more dangerous. We know that Inej from her share plans to buy out her freedom. Mm -hmm. uh, and that Kaz gets his club back. So mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, it's, it, it, it's a lot of money. It, it doesn't sound like a lot, but it is for their yeah. work. <laughs> It's like the Dr. Evil, one million dollars. <laughs> Dr. Evil, that's not a lot of money these days. <laughs> yes. That's sad. <laughs> I remember when having a million dollars sounded, I mean, I still don't have a million dollars to be clear, but I remember when yeah. thinking that a million dollars was you don't have to work ever again, which is not really the case anymore. Um, which I don't wonder, I wonder how many people realize that nowadays that, you know, a million dollars would not last them a normal human lifespan. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, it, it, it all came home to me when they started that whole genre of billionaire romances. Millionaires were not enough. You had to be a billionaire. And yes, there's a reason for that, because you do. <laughs> yeah, the inf inflation changed the first letter of an entire subgenre. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, well, on that note, I think we'll we'll go ahead and start closing out. Uh, Mona Lisa, I am reading the super secret project that we can't announce yet. Uh, and it's really good so far. I'm very excited uh, for oh, when good. we can That's talk about the that. super secret project. Um, what else is out now and what should people be looking for? I finally remembered. Whee! Yeah. There you go. Yeah, okay. That is some so, Kurt Miller artwork, isn't that? It is Kurt Miller, and I redid the, I redid the fonts. So anyway, th this okay. is the first book in my series, and I finally, okay. I finally remember to actually pull one out so so I could show everybody. Um, <laughs> I I don't have a publication date for the next story, which is going to be in Les Johnson's anthology. It, it's a hard science fiction short story. So I have mm -hmm. uh, the Ravages of Honor series, and I've got um, the Robo Soldiers so, uh, story. The story story in the anthology robo soldiers from bane that's my most recent one cool and you're going to dragon con this year or not i am not um okay for various reasons no not this year i'm going to be at fencon okay cool yo yeah i will not be at fencon because they keep scheduling it right over my anniversary and some things are more important um pisses me <laughs> off though because i would love to come up to dallas to hang out with you guys at fencon since it should be I mean, it should really be my home convention, but you know, I, yes, I've stayed no. married for 17 years and I intend to stay that way. <laughs> um, but yeah, have a great time. I think that that looks like it's going to be fun. You guys got quite a lineup coming for FinCon. Yeah. So if you're in the Dallas area on mm -hmm. September 15th through 18th or 16th through 18th. Yeah, that sounds right. September 15th. Around that time, that weekend, then uh, you can meet Mona Lisa and talk to her about her work uh, at FinCon in Dallas. Uh, as always, links to Mona Lisa's work will be in the liner notes below. And I'll go ahead and put Kurt Miller's uh, stuff down there, too. He's a really great artist. You guys should check him out. Um, that is all the time we have for Lauren Valor today. I hope to see you next time. Oh, 
I'm such an amateur. Please put, please uh, click like, subscribe, leave us a comment for the algorithms. And if you're listening to this, please consider leaving us a five-star review on your favorite podcast venue. We're available on most of them. That's all the time. That is actually all the time we have for Lauren Valor today. I hope to see you next time. And until then, keep up the fire.